The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm a snow shoveling son of a gun today. I That's know, what I'm man. <laughs> yeah. What the heck is going on up there? It's uh, You guys like you live in the uh, in the Arctic. It's uh, yeah. incredible. <laughs> the, you know, it, it's, Florida today was cold, though. It was the coldest I've ever seen in Florida. It was down to 34, which, Whoa. you know, for you guys is probably a thaw. Yeah. Um, well, it is. It's a, it's a, it is a thaw, actually. But uh, down here, that's pretty cold. I mean, I have never seen it below the 50s. So it's pretty chilly, even in Florida, folks. Mm. But, uh, you know. Nothing like uh, you all are going through up in the Northeast. So get through that. I hope you enjoy the podcast today. I hope if you're home listening, uh, we can put a smile on your face. Um, yesterday was just an incredible news day. And, uh, you know, I, I'll i be candid with you, folks. I was I saw this Steve Bannon story erupt. And I'll give you the background of the story. Don't worry. But I just thought to myself, gosh, I just... <sighs> if there was ever a lose-lose lose lose story this is I, I don't know who comes out of this the winner here's what happened steve bannon who was back at uh, running breitbart mm-hmm. who was uh, an advisor to the president during the campaign and joined the white house after the president was elected in an advisory role bannon uh, uh, allegedly gave quotes to an author by the name of Michael Wolff for a book coming out called Fire and Fury about the Trump White House. And the quotes are, I don't don't get it. Now, I don't know President Trump. I, I, I mean, I know who he is, obviously. I have never met him other than being brushed up against at CPAC one time years ago. I don't know him. I do know Steve. Um, pretty well. We run in some of the same activist circles. We're not best friends. We don't have coffee together, but we know each other. Some of the Bannon quotes, specifically the one about the Don Trump Jr. meeting uh, with the Russian lawyer being, quote, treasonous, are outrageous. Now, he, Bannon, Steve Bannon, because some of you may say, well, this guy, Michael Wolf, the one who wrote the quotes, this guy has a questionable past. That's come up uh, uh, in some writings I've seen today. But Bannon has not, he's not taking the quotes back, Joe. So in other words, you know, if I, if I, were, to, if I were to tell the audience, man, you're never going to believe this. I spoke to Joe Armacost yesterday after the show, and Joe Armacost told me he really can't stand burgers from Joe's Burger Factory. Mm-hmm. And then Joe's Burger Factory complains, and Joe does nothing to say, hey, I didn't say that. I think it's generally assumed you said it, right? Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I came on the show today and said, Joe, Joe's Burger Factory is complaining about your comments, and you were like, meaning silence, nothing, we can assume you probably said it. Bannon has not said he hasn't said these things. There were also some other you know, statements about the Trump White House that were not necessarily flattering. And I have two takeaways from this. Number one, if he did say these things, and believe me, this is a, I'm telling you folks, this is a painful show to do. I, uh, can I give you a little inside baseball? Yeah. Um, why am I asking? It's my show. You're not going to answer back, but I'm going to do it anyway. Last, as, as this broke yesterday and specifically last night, I always stew over what to talk about on the show. 
I, I acknowledged privately to myself that this was a lose, lose, lose. There's nothing good that can come out of this conversation. I like Breitbart. I'm not giving you like I'm not giving him a pat on the back to, to sound like I'm virtue signal, signaling here. I like them. I like a lot of the writers over there. I like a lot of the people. I've been on their radio station. I like their website. I'll use their stuff. But I just don't understand what Bannon gets out of this. Now, the two takeaways to get back to this. If he did say this to this, uh, you know, I, let me just complete that thought. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound scatterbrained. I'm just, as you can probably tell, I'm having a real difficult time with this topic because I like the guys at Breitbart a lot. And I know Steve. I also support the president strongly. And I feel like this is a topic that is guaranteed to alienate just about everybody listening. But I owe you as a host of this show, an opinion on this matter. You're owed it, no matter what. I can't avoid it because it's not convenient. You see where I'm going with this show? And that's why last night I was like, all right, you got to just take the plunge on this, okay? Number one, the takeaway from this is, where was the loyalty if these comments were made? I'm sorry, but if, you know, he took you, the president, trusted you, and took you into his campaign and his White House. The most powerful position in the history of mankind the presidency of the united states he took you as a senior advisor as a high level advisor into his white house where was the loyalty what did you get out of this now if i can be self-critical for a minute joe all right and you may be thinking this as well you may say fairly enough well dan you wrote a couple books about your experiences in the white house you are absolutely correct And I challenge you in those books to find any personal attacks or personal conversations that I was witness to and heard that Barack Obama, by the way, my political opponent in every measure, I challenge you to pick out any personal conversations I disclose in a violation of my of my oath. Any. The answer is you won't because they're not there. So that because I want to be I want to give both sides of this I mean, to be fair, even again, for people listening who may say, yeah, well, he wrote. I did. I wrote books about my experiences in the Secret Service. There's no classified information given out. It was basically a hoorah tale of my time. And the last book I wrote um, was about problems in the Secret Service that I feel need to be addressed to keep the president alive, regardless of his politics. But going to now. Again, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just trying to establish a set of bona fides here as to why you don't do this. You were trusted as a political appointee in the White House. You were trusted in the innermost sanctum of the campaign. This is your alleged political ally. And you go out and bash this guy in a book? I didn't even do this for my political opponent when I know there's stuff that would be damaging. I, I don't understand. I mean it. I sincerely mean it. I genuinely don't understand what he was thinking. You know, I get it. I may be subjecting myself to the ire of, of, of Steve, and I understand. I'm, I'm, that's, that's fair. But this is an opinion show. You're obligated to hear an opinion. From, from, I mean, I, I can't avoid it. Mm. Why would you do that? I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I really genuinely do not understand what he was thinking there. Why you would go and do that. Now, Joe, again, to be clear on this loyalty part. If Bannon had witnessed some kind of illegality 
or corruption, that's a fair game. And and that henceforth, why I spoke out against Hillary Clinton during the presidential campaign. Because there were things there that are were ugly, and Joe knows what they are. <laughs> because I've told Joe. There were ugly things there. That's a different ballgame. But what what he spoke out about were, were maybe bad calls, Joe, maybe some misinformed decisions, some poor decision making. Yeah. But it wasn't corruption. It wasn't even close to corruption. It definitely wasn't illegal. I, I don't I don't I, I just don't get it. Secondly, you know, the president's just coming off. President Trump is coming off a resoundingly successful tax cut bill at the end of the year. Approval ratings are starting to pop. He's above 40 now. I've seen, I saw one poll him up at 46, which is exactly where Obama was. We have a, a really pressing international crisis in Iran and North Korea right now. And all of a sudden, it's about you and not the president. I mean, you basically stole the president's message coming into the new year when he was finally on the upswing from some policy successes and some pressing geopolitical issues that need to be handled urgently, like right now. And you steal the message away? What do you, I don't understand. What do you get from this? You know, I get it. I'm not as big of a player, um, you know, over there, and I'm, I'm certainly not here to take pot shots, but I, I am not going to equivocate on this. I was a little offended. I saw this morning some people on cable news who are supposed to be supporters of the president that were equivocating. And I think that's because they were afraid. Oh, I don't want to get on this Bannon's bad side. I, I Listen, sometimes you got to say that what's the right thing to say. You see, you 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 copying me, Joe? Like, you don't sure. equivocate on this. Huh. Glad you're doing what this you're doing. This was wrong. Yeah, man, this was wrong. I'm sorry. This was just wrong. I've been wrong a lot. We've had to correct things on the show. Uh, you, you know, it's part of being human. Yeah. When you're an opinion show, sometimes you're going to base an opinion on, a, opinion on a series of facts that later on change. Yeah. And you go back and you got to change it. This was wrong. All right. Sorry, but I, I and I, I'm really stewed over this last night, folks. I, I, I mean it. I was like all night. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, damn it. What the? Why the hell did this have to happen? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you did it, though, Dan, and I'm sure the listeners are glad. They were counting yeah. on you having an opinion on this. That's why people well, listen to I, the show, Dan. You know. They, uh, yeah, so I appreciate that, Joe. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Hey, some good news, by the way. Um, my daughter got her first stripe on her white belt last night in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu right. in Gracie Martial Arts uh, out here in uh, in Florida. So. Big applause to my daughter. Give her a shout out. My daughter, Isabel. I put some pictures up on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. So uh, you f- feel free to check those out. So pretty cool stuff. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. The holidays might be over, folks, but the winter's just begun, unfortunately. And according to studies, the air indoors contains up to, get a load of this show, 100 times more pollution than the air outside. Me and you are going to be dead soon yes. because we're inside all the time. This can cause illness, <laughs> allergies, and this is important, folks. This happened to me. Unnecessary wear and tear in your HVAC system leading to costly repairs or even worse, the premature replacement of the entire system, which, by the way, cost me $12,000 because we didn't properly maintain our air filters and the rest of the system. Big mistake. Resolve to breathe better with Filter By, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You got a business? You got 100 filters? These are your guys. You got a home? You got three filters? These are your guys. 
They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options. All shipped free within 24 hours, plus they're manufactured right here. Where? Right here in America. You're damn right. Right here in America. Filter Buy offers a multitude of Merv options all the way up to hospital grade. You want hospital clean air? These are your guys. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating crap while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now. Right now. You can save 5%, folks, if you set up auto delivery. You'll never have to think about air filters again. Go check them out. Save money. Save time. Breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Go check these guys out. They're terrific. All right. Uh, Another story that's been confusing a lot of people. I've gotten uh, a number. I've received a talk like a human being here. I've received a number (laughs) of emails on this. People are confused. Trump disbanding this voter fraud commission. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, I'm just going to, if I may, uh, I'm going to explain to you what I'm hearing from the conservative activist circle, people who are in the know. There was a voter fraud commission established by Donald Trump. The members appointed by Donald Trump, Chris Kobach, was on that uh, commission. Uh, a couple of friends of mine were on the commission. Um I've heard from a couple of people behind the scenes here that it was disbanded because there was an upcoming deadline. Uh, They were getting a lot of negative feedback from the states. The states did not want to disclose some of the voter information to the federal government. Um, There were also some people in DHS where it's going to go now that are that are considering in some ways federalizing the election process, which is a really bad idea, folks. So bottom line. The inside baseball on it, the deadline was coming up for a deliverable. They couldn't produce a deliverable because they weren't getting a lot of information from the states who were saying, we're not giving you that stuff. And then there were some other people who were confused as to the purpose of it. Some people had some different ideas about what should happen to it. That's what I'm that's what I'm getting. So a lot of you've emailed me. That's not my opinion. That's just what I'm hearing from inside baseball folks. That that's what happened with the with the voters commission. So just a quickly let me put that out there all right oh i saw a story at the wall street journal yesterday that uh you want to talk about here's the sound joe that's dan bongino scratching his head (laughs) we're still trying to get a good head scratching and uh even our friend ron p we're having a time because they're always so low uh but i i read it and i thought to myself if it wasn't in the wall street journal surely uh this would be a story at the onion a fake story designed to elicit an emotional response maybe laughter from people but the story um is real so the critical theory far left identity politics crowd joe has a new enemy and that enemy is white informed civility white informed civility oh yeah now <laughs> okay I guess we can abbreviate that as a wick. Um, <laughs> yeah. w- w- wick is a problem, apparently. White inf- what is white informed civility? Let me just give you some background before I get to what it is. So you understand the setup, because some of you may be new listeners, on what critical theory is and how white informed civility became the new um, problem du jour, okay? Yeah. Critical theory is this scam, this this joke of a theory that is permeated academia and the gist of critical theory from the academics and the media folks who've learned it, whether they know it or not, they've learned it, is facts aren't really facts. That that things that conservatives use and 
people who aren't woke, you know, read into the process, the critical theory process. Facts aren't really facts. They're only interpretable through a subjective lens. Nothing's objective. Therefore, it's all done to reinforce a white patriarchal power structure and nothing's real unless basically the critical theorists say it's real. That's the gist of it. That if I tell you Ronald Reagan's tax cuts doubled tax revenue to the government, you can dispute those facts based on the fact that I happen to be a white man and I am doing this to reinforce the white patriarchal power structure. And those facts are interpretable according to any number of me. That's the gist of critical theory, which is if, if you're listening, scratching your head going, so that means facts aren't facts like two plus two can equal seven. The answer is yes. That's why critical theory makes no sense. So the the, uh, the end game of critical theory is anyone who's fighting to reinforce this white patriarchal power structure, basically, Joe, in short, anyone who disagrees with yeah. you is the enemy and must be fought under any circumstances. You have to be fought because facts can't be facts unless the critical theorists say they're facts, which is defies common sense. I assure you, Joe, do you have Jay's abacus handy? We haven't busted that. Well, yes, I do, Dan. Okay, I want you to do me a favor. There we go. All right. I want you to add these two numbers for me. And I want you to tell me if critical theory recreates a different result later. So I want you to add five. Mm -hmm. Five, one, two, three, four, five. And I want you to add four to that. One, two, three, four. Now, do you get the number nine? Uh, Yes, I do, Dan. I get the number nine. Okay, now here's let's try the critical theory approach, Joe. I, critical theory says that facts aren't in fact facts, that five plus four equals something different if a white... Pa- now, you are white. Yes, I am, Dan. Now, according to the left, you are because you're a conservative, you are part of the patriarchal power structure. I am a problem, Can you Dan. please... You, you A big-time problem yes. in more ways than they even know. I want you to add five plus four again, and please tell me the outcome on Jay's abacus. Uh, five. And this is uh, with critical theory. You're with critical theory. Uh, five and four. I get eleven, Dan. You get eleven. Yes, good job. Well done, Joe. All right. You were you, yeah. you 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 were picking up where I was going with that. Very good. You get eleven. Of course you yes. do on Jay. Even on Jay's abacus, <laughs> by the way, which is yes. never wrong. Critical theory five plus four equals eleven. Now, how does this build into this latest fight on what they call white informed civility? This story is hysterical. Apparently, Joe, in the debate culture, I mean the the. The formal debate, I, you know, when people get up on the stage yeah. and are at a podium and they have debate teams, that kind of thing. The learning. I'm not talking about yeah. debate like, yeah, you and I are engaging in uh, with, a, with a caller on the radio, whatever it may be, or something like that. I mean, the formal debate, college debate scene. There are minority debate teams, apparently, that have been told that the rules of the debate are, in fact, designed to enforce the... <laughs> white patriarchal power structure and therefore you should ignore the rules and be declared winners of the debate by ignoring the rules of the debate and don't fall into this trap where white informed civility is determining the outcome of the debate in other words don't be civil during the debate because white informed so in other words if you're white you know something and you're civil folks i'm not making this crap up Google it yourself. I'm not making this up. This is real. If you're a white dude, you're a debater, you know something, and God forbid you're civil, you are definitely the problem. So what happened? Well, on some, and the Wall Street Journal lays out some examples of what happened. 
I'll put this article up at the show notes, by the way, at Bongino.com. Please subscribe to my email list if you haven't yet. really helps me get the articles to you. What, what are some of the examples? Apparently, during a debate, a college debate format, there was one debater who apparently was not going to fall prey, Joe, to the evil wick, white informed civility. <laughs> and one of the debate moderators said, okay, uh, your time is up. Pretty common, right, Joe? Time, right? right. Time mean, means be quiet. The other guy gets a shot. And apparently the debater responded with, it's a family-friendly show, um, F the time. Now, F doesn't stand for Frank. In this case, you can figure out what's in there. F the time. And everybody was like, yeah, baby, this is it. Fight back against the wickers of the world. The white informed civil phobes. Folks, uh, there are other examples. And one apparently was asked a question about whatever the topic was, taxes or healthcare, and apparently broke out into some kind of a routine. And everybody was like, they're the winners. They got folks. Do you understand mm. how the, this is a, an intentional act by Looney Tunes leftists to disconnect us from any objective truth whatsoever. When you're dis and when I, I, when I say that, I know I, sometimes I may confuse some folks, but the idea of an objective truth that there is a, a God and a set of values, Joe, that are immutable. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't spit on people. We don't insult people. Okay. We don't, uh, you know, we don't kill people if you're, you know, if you're not self. These kind of things. You know, in other words, like the basic tenets of the Ten Commandments type. A set of immutable truths. Why would the left have that? Those are objective, meaning it doesn't matter who the subject is, Joe. You just don't spit on someone else, okay? Right. You don't go slapping another person in the face for no reason. Right. Those are immutable, meaning they apply to Joe and they apply to me. Right. Why would the left and the critical theorists, and by the way, when I say objective truths, let's expand the definition to this story as well. What are objective truths in this debate scenario, Joe? The rules. Right, the rules. In other words, the rules of the debate are clear. You don't walk over to the other side of the debate stage and deck the guy. You you have to obey time limits. By the way, they're objective, objective rules, Joe. Joe gets 10 minutes, Dan gets 10 minutes. Right. Not Joe, if he's Hispanic or black, gets two minutes and Dan gets 10 minutes because he's white. The rules are objective. This is a constant war on objective truth at every level. Because if you have an objective truth and a North Star to guide your behavior, Joe, Mm -hmm. then what the hell is the purpose of the government? It's pretty hard to advocate for an all-powerful discretionary government, when I say discretionary government, I mean a government that has power over your discretionary decisions using its discretion. It gets to spend your money. It gets to control your health care. It gets to choose where your kids go to school. It is almost impossible for you to advocate a cause like that. We need this powerful government, i.e. socialism, Marxism, communism, these kinds of things. When the objective values are obvious, you only need a government show at that point to protect individual individuals from an overarching government. You don't need the government for anything else. Everybody understands what the uh, objective values are. You just need a government to reinforce what you already know is true. But if you have that, there can be no subjective truth. And that's what they want. Subjective, any kind of objective truth has to be thrown away. Family values, God-given values, your values will be dictated to you by the government. And the values will change, by the way, 
depending on what their tactical needs of the moment are. In other words, things we assumed were values in the past, like privacy. Mm -hmm. Privacy, meaning, you know, a man being able to go to the bathroom without a woman walking in or a woman being able to go to the bathroom without a man walking in. This was entirely uncontroversial up until about four years ago. This was an objective truth. Yes, men don't want to be seen or women don't want to be seen by members of the opposite sex in a bathroom, um, you know, in, in, in engaging in bathroom behaviors. They just don't. Yes. Yes. Thank you, couples retreat yoga guy. He always, always seems to have his, this guy, he's the best. I love that guy. Yes. And this was objective. That had to be taken out too. So then we were told by discretionary people in the government using their discretion that, no, this is now okay. And we were supposed to be like, wait, wait, that was our North Star. Like, those, that's been the case throughout human civilization. Like, we did. No, no, no. That North Star doesn't matter. The government's got a new set of values for you. Is that just making sense, Joe? Yeah, and I dislike it. Yes. You should dislike And everyone else listening should too. And this white informed civility nonsense is just another effort to devalue objective truth and replace it with government-imposed values. You don't have to, I mean, debate rules. Debate rules? Oh, what are you, crazy? Who needs debate rules? Folks, this stuff is nuts. It's just, yeah. it's really upsetting. Read the article. You'll get more upset as you read it. It gets worse as the article goes on. You're like, this can't possibly be true, but it is. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at iTarget with the iTarget Pro system. That's the letter I in iTarget Pro. Now, what is iTarget? It is simply the best system to train with your firearm I have ever seen. I am very proud to have them as a sponsor. We welcome them on board. And usually it takes one or two reads, four people start to get used to a product. This thing has taken off. It has gone crazy. Why? Because it's one of the best products I've ever seen. You own a firearm? You better learn to shoot it, right? Anybody can pull a trigger. The question is, if God forbid you're in a self-defense situation, who hits what? Anybody can shoot. Can Can you hit what you're shooting? Now, you can go to the range, and you should go to the range, but it's difficult to get there all the time. I just, candidly speaking, don't have the time. Um, I try to get there as often as I can. It's not working out. I'm just super busy lately. But you should go to the range. But the range can be expensive. Ammo's expensive. You got to take the trip there. You got to clean the gun afterwards. So some of you may be interested in improving your your skills, your tactical skills with the iTarget Pro system. And the nice part about it is you can do it in the comfort of of your own home. By the way, I got a great email yesterday about some other benefits. I'll get to that in a second, but it's a laser bullet. The laser bullet drops inside the barrel of the gun you have now. You don't have to do anything to it. You have to change your gun. You have to buy any special fancy equipment. You just drop it in. When you depress the trigger, the hammer will hit the end of this bullet and it'll emit a laser onto a target they give you. And in conjunction with this phone app, you will see exactly where your rounds go. Guy emailed me yesterday because I brought up this point a, a few weeks ago, Joe, where I said the thing I like about the system is obviously it's perfectly safe. It only emits a laser. Mm-hmm. You're not going to point it at anyone. You're going to point it at the target. But if you want to train in your own home, you can safely train in your own home. And you say, well, what do you mean? You know where the cover is in your home? You know where the concealment is? Mm. You know in your bedroom, if someone were to break in, where you're going to go? You're going to drop and eat the bed? Put the eye target system on the door. Hang the target on the back of the door. Roll out of bed, get that the uh, go get your firearm with the eye target round in it, and see what happens. See if you can hit it. These are the kind of things you can safely do with eye target. It's available at itargetpro.com. That's the letter I, targetpro.com. 
promo code Dan, my first name, D-A-N, and you'll get an extra 10% off. 10% off the price. That's in a tremendous rebate. iTargetPro.com. Remember, competitive shooters that do this for a living dry fire 10 times more than they live fire. It's that good at controlling your front sight, controlling your trigger pull, slow and smooth to the rear, reset it nice. Go give it a shot. You will love this product. The reviews are tremendous. iTargetPro.com. Promo code Dan. All right. Um, I was on Fox last night debating Austin Goolsby, who uh, is a f- leftist, but I-, I will say is a very nice guy. I-, I mean that. He is not a bad guy. Personally, he's always been very respectful to me. And I debated him about this scandalous Hillary Clinton investigation on email. Why is this a story now? Why are we bringing this up again? You may say, Dan, this is old news. It's not old news. John Solomon of The Hill, um, and I'll put this in the show notes today as well, put out a damning report about some information that is just coming to light about the Hillary email investigation. I want to give you three takeaways to argue with your liberal friends, because when I was on Tucker, excuse me, uh, Hannity last night, debating Austin Goolsby, I posed to him three scenarios that were unique to the Hillary investigation, that scream of corruption. And I... Joe, do you have Jay's abacus handy? Again? Uh, yes, I Let's do. Okay. So, Joe, I want you to move three of those abacus balls to the side. One, two, and three. One, okay. Two, One, three. two, three. You got them? Okay. Yep, yep, yep. How many are there? Three. There's not six? No. Are you sure? One, two, three. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Joe. Jay's abacus comes in handy again. We haven't used Jay in a long time. Wow. <laughs> Jay's abacus <laughs> in a long time. So... Joe's even confused by this. So last night I lay out these three reasons. What's fascinating is Austin Goolsby comes at me with reason six. You may say, (laughs) well, I thought you said there were three. Exactly. That's my point. I made a joke about it on the show. I'm like, Austin, it's fascinating. I laid out three reasons this Hillary (laughs) email investigation was corrupted and you defended reason six. And even he looked puzzled for a minute. Folks, here are the three things that happened (laughs) in this investigation. And I'm speaking as a former federal agent. I've actually done these investigations, so I'm not speaking with forked tongue here. Okay. First, this is an obvious one, but new information's come out. They drafted an exoneration letter of Hillary Clinton on the email investigation before they interviewed the prime suspect in the case, which was Hillary Clinton. Uh, wait, come again? Joe, if I had accused you of a bank robbery, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Is it a good idea for me as the investigator on the case to draft up a letter exonerating you of the bank robbery before I've actually interviewed you about robbing the bank? That's probably a bad idea, Dan. Probably a bad idea. It was not a trick question. Sometimes poor Joe is like, this question is so dumb, it's clearly a trick. (laughs) That is an actual question. Now, the breaking news on this, because we've known about that for a while. But in the Solomon report, we find out, Joe, that not only was Hillary not interviewed yet before she was air quotes, exonerated, which, by the way, the FBI director has no power to do. The DOJ makes prosecutorial decisions. The FBI director makes investigative decisions. Don't ever forget that. What broke yesterday was that up to 17 other key witnesses in the case, 17 others hadn't been interviewed yet either. What? What? And thank God for Andrew Garfield and Spider-Man. What? <laughs> yeah, what is right? If, you, if you're scratching your head, head scratching sound, yeah. if you're going, what? that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. 
So I, when I hit Austin Goolsby up about that, I said, because Sean kept him right on target, had he? Sean's like, Austin, answer the question point by point. What about the exoneration before the interview? He's like, yeah, that sounds a little strange. A little strange? Are you crazy? Even worse, Joe. Now it turns out, wait, before I set up this even worse, Joe, I know you're clear on this, but the audience, the Mike Flynn case, who was the national security advisor for a limited amount of time with President Trump before he was uh, terminated from the job, he was just pled guilty to false statements to the FBI. Everybody knows that, right? He was was interviewed by the FBI. Some statements didn't marry up with a transcript they had. That's a whole other scam. And I'm bringing this up for a reason. I'm not trying to like, this isn't a look squirrel moment. But just Mike Flynn was prosecuted for making false statements to the FBI and pled guilty to it. I said to you on shows in the past, that's a charge rarely used on anyone unless you're trying to really hurt someone. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying you should lie to the FBI. I'm saying everybody does it and it's rarely charged. That it was charged to Mike Flynn says something to me and it says something that they that they wanted Mike Flynn. Why is that important to what I just told you in the exoneration letter? Because Solomon breaks yesterday in his Hill piece yesterday as well. Just taking a note on this. That one of the people who was involved with the server who was interviewed, and they don't give a name, but I think we know who it is. I just don't want to say it on the show. I don't want to, you know, slander anybody, obviously, but I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Who was involved with the Clinton email server gave an interview to the FBI, Joe. Hmm. And what's fascinating about the interview is the FBI asked him in the interview, hey, Daddy O bringing up daddy O because that's what Joe texted me this morning. Yeah. <laughs> hey, daddy O. You... Hey, daddy O, you delete some emails on that server? Nah, man. I don't know. Nah, I don't know anything about it. Nah. Hmm. Okay. Statement to the FBI, Joe. Nah, man. I don't know anything about it. Not his exact statement. I'm being funny. But the statement was basically no. Okay. A couple months later, same subject. Same guy. Same guy. FBI comes back to him. He claims to have, quote, an O moment. You can figure it out. Rhymes with the word hit. He claims to have that O moment, right? Yeah. Says, oh, Joe, look at, I now I remember. Uh, yeah, crazy how that happens, yeah. right? Now I remember deleting these emails. Oh, how did, by the way, probably because a forensic footprint showed he did it. And the FBI comes back. Now, if justice was fair, and justice wasn't blind, Joe. Mike Flynn was prosecuted for lying to the FBI, right? right. So now Joe Armacost is saying clearly, because Joe hasn't had the opportunity to read this report. I know what you're thinking, Joe. You're thinking, we live in the United States. Justice is blind. This is a great system. Yeah. You know, these management of the FBI is clearly on on the, you know, uh, uh, on par. They're doing the right thing. This is moral and ethical leadership. Remember, there's never a knock on the men and women of the FBI. If you're getting that from this, you're listening to the wrong show. They're great. But if justice was blind, Joe, the guy's in jail right now, right? For lying to the FBI. You bet, man. Yeah, you bet he's in jail. Oh, he's not. Yeah, no, he's not in jail. See, I made the mistake of asking Joe a question to think like a normal human being, which he is. And I should have told him to go resort to caveman, Joe. Because if you resort to caveman, Joe, this makes sense. Because cavemen believe in retribution and revenge and not fair justice. He is not in jail. Matter of fact, Joe. What did he get for his lies to the FBI? Not a federal charge. He got an immunity deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that works out great. That is that. This is all on the level, folks. Don't you worry about it. This is all on the up and up. 
That's just point number one, dude, on the exoneration part. The dude gets an immunity deal for lying to the FBI while a decorated decorated military officer who's given his life for the country, Mike Flynn, what happens? He has to plead guilty and is bankrupted. What a scam. What a scam. I had an oh moment. Oh, you did? How come Mike Flynn didn't get to have an oh moment? No, no, serious question. How come he doesn't get that? By the way, when they walk in there with a transcript, they don't even tell him it's a criminal interview. He doesn't even have a lawyer present. Of course something's going to be wrong. I can't even remember what Joe texted me this morning outside of Daddy-O. Sure. And you expect Mike Flynn to recount exactly what happened according to this transcript? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Point number two, Hillary email anomalies, as I have this label. Cheryl Mills, who is a Clinton confidant, staffer, sometimes functions in a legal capacity. Cheryl Mills is interviewed because she's so close to Clinton about the server. Obviously, Joe, if I had an illegal server, how many people do I email and text every day? Maybe five. Joe's one of them. If I had an email server, it was illegal because I was whatever, the secretary of state, the president. You would want information from Joe because I email Joe a lot Mm -hmm. about the show and things like that. Cheryl Mills was interviewed because she has a lot of emails from Hillary. He's very close to her. Nothing complicated about this. Cheryl Mills was granted, by the way, an attorney-client privilege stipulation despite the fact that Cheryl Mills is a potential co-conspirator in the scam only because she's a lawyer. Now, folks, you may be saying, Well, she's a lawyer. Of course, it's attorney-client privilege. No, it's not. When you're part of the scheme, you're not granted privilege. Think about, Joe. uh, No, I'm serious. People are confused about this. And it's, I I don't know, maybe having been a former agent, I'm surprised people, I think it's liberals, it's not conservatives, because they want to be confused. Mm -hmm. Like Joe Pesci says, maybe we should get you unconfused, you know? (laughs) If, if If Joe was my attorney, for the podcast and Joe and I go rob a bank. (laughs) Joe does not get to say, Hey, I'm not talking about anything. It's attorney client privilege. He doesn't get to do that. He's part of the scheme. Remember the female lawyer lady who was prosecuted for delivering messages to the terrorists, the, 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 the world trade bombing terrorists. She was prosecuted. Yeah. You don't get to be part of a scheme and go, I'm a lawyer. It's all good. Attorney-client privilege is meant to protect deliberations about your criminal defense in a trial so that you can prepare a defense. In other words, Joe, attorney-client privilege, I get to have conversations with you if you are not involved in the bank robbing scheme and you're my lawyer, that are privileged, that they can't demand access to because we're allowed to prepare a legal defense. If Joe actually robbed the bank with me, that doesn't apply. But it was extended to Cheryl Mills. Nothing to see there, folks, either. Third point. The computers in the case that were turned over to the FBI for analysis were then given back before the case was even concluded. Wait, wait, come again? So let me get this straight. Armacost is out in... You're up in Arnold, right? No, I'm in Pasadena now. Pasadena. Joe's up in Pasadena, Maryland. 
Joe walks into the Atlanta Bread, which is now defunct. Yeah. I used to love that place. Yeah, I did too. That, they had the best uh, chicken sandwich on tomato bread. Joe's walking out of the Atlanta Bread. He's upset. And Joe knifes a dude. Why? Because he's in a bad mood. Yeah. Like, ah, I'm just going to knife this guy. It's okay. Joe knifes him, right? Drops the knife on the floor. Cops show up. Joe gets arrested. Knife gets submitted into evidence. Let's say Joe gets out on bail, a million dollars. I'm not, this is not even funny. It's just, this case is so dumb, the abnormalities that how liberals defend it speaks to the intellectual vacuum they reside in every day. It's like a black hole of stupid. Do you walk up to Joe as he walks out of the central booking, whatever, bail, whatever it may be, and go, oh, by the way, Joe, the bloody knife you had? Uh, here, we know you may need that for work, so here you go. Here's the knife. Uh, you're laughing, you're like, wait, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's what happened. They gave the computers back to them. Folks, I... how, yeah, how you're defending this thing as a liberal is is seriously puzzling. I, I'm not, and I say this a lot, I get it. Some of you are very entrenched in your beliefs. I am in mine. I respect that. I think you're wrong. I think liberalism is a cancer. I think it's a curse. But this is the United States of America. I absolutely vociferously defend the First Amendment, your right to believe what you want, even if it is you know, a threat to my way of life. You're free to believe it, as long as you don't threaten me personally. It's dumb. And I'm seriously not telling you who to vote for. If, But you can have some principles. You can say to yourself, okay, this was wrong. This Hillary investigation was wrong mm-hmm. because it created a bifurcated system of justice, one for the elites and the connected and one for us. And we should call this out. Defend your Democrat principles. Go vote for your liberals. Do whatever you want to do. But you should stand up and say this was wrong. You should stand up like Republicans did in the Watergate era and say this was wrong. You know, I know that the governor of Maryland's dad was, I think, the first Republican to come out and say, no, no, this isn't right. Larry Hogan Sr., God rest his soul, who was a congressman at the time. Folks, what happened there was wrong. It's been sensationalized by a lot of people, but it was wrong. You as Democrats should be able to say what happened in this Hillary Clinton email investigation was a scam. And it's setting a dangerous precedent. Now, if you're connected, you're absolved of any legal responsibility to abide by the law whatsoever and you get special investigative treatment. This is crazy. All right. I'm sorry. Just remember those three things. Again, the exoneration before the interview. Attorney client privilege to a potential co-conspirator. And the returning of evidence before the investigations even concluded. Absolutely insane. Mm. Okay, I saw um, an interesting piece yesterday. Uh, let's see. About the, sorry, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm still unbelievably recovering from this uh, cold. It's I, again, I feel fine, but it is the worst. So sorry for all the sniffles. I, I know it's uh, annoying, but I, I appreciate you all <laughs> bearing with me. So thank you. I saw an interesting report yesterday uh, about the SALT issue. The SALT issue, uh, again, is the state and local tax issue. And I don't want to keep bringing it up, but I just find the issue to be quite comical because it exposes so many different levels of hypocrisy by the far left. What is the SALT problem? It's an acronym for state and local taxes. The Trump tax cut plan that was just signed stops uh, uh, people from claiming a tax deduction on anything more than $10,000 in paid state and local taxes. It used to be almost almost unlimited with conditions, right? 
So now, again, if you're paying a million dollars because you're very wealthy to the state of New York in taxes, you can't write that off your federal tax bill anymore. You can only write off $10,000. So I saw an interesting proposal yesterday. And the reason I think it's hypocritical, by the way, is because liberals are whining about it, live in blue states, and they're whining about it, never seeing the hypocrisy of the position, Joe, which is the reason you're paying a high tax bill and not getting a deduction is because you live in a liberal state with high taxes. Uh, uh, I... Are you, are you? How are you not putting two and two together there? <laughs> and your complaint is about what? Because the federal government won't let you deduct your high tax bill from liberal states that tax the snot out of you? I. <laughs> oh man, it's well. Here's the proposal. I'm sorry, just reading something on Fox. You can't. Be. The proposal is that if states were really sincere about holding on to the state and local tax deduction. Then what they can do, Joe, is they can lower their tax rates. And in order to keep people from going into, if, if, and this is the liberal approach. I don't think this is going to happen. But from key, to keep people from being destitute, because the liberal approach, Joe, would be New York. I can tell you right now what liberals in New York are saying. Mm. Well, if we lower our taxes, we're not going to be able to take care of people. Well, the government doesn't take care of people to begin with. But even saying they do for a second, the approach, and this is genius, Forgive me, I forget who exactly wrote it. It wasn't like a formal article. It was just a suggestion. I may have seen it on Twitter. I thought this was great, though. They said, well, what if the government lowered their taxes correspondingly, these liberal governments show, and just started promoting people to give to local charities instead? Well, I mean, what, hmm. the, why, now, why would that work? Because the charitable de, uh, deduction is still there. So you want to get a deduction? Here's what we're going to do, Joe. You were deducting $500,000 in New York state taxes you pay. You have to be really wealthy, by the way, right. to pay that amount to New York. Right. So let's say you're you're very, very wealthy. You're paying five hundred k right. because the New York tax rate is double digits on your income. New York could say, all right, we're going to cut that in half. And here's what we recommend. Take that. So now you're only going to pay two fifty dollars in taxes. Okay, Joe? All right. What we recommend you do, because we don't want, you know, government helps people and we don't want to fail to help people. So, Joe, what we recommend you do is take that 250 in savings, and I want you to give it to whatever, the United Way or the Red Cross or whatever, whatever uh, you know, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I'm not recommending. I'm just throwing names out there. You see commercials yeah. about all the time. I'd like you to give it to those people, and then you can claim that deduction again. Joe, problem solved, right? There you go. People are helped, number one. Uh, poor people are helped. Rich people who live in liberal states who vote for liberals now get their tax deduction back. Taxes get cut at the local level, which incentivizes a lot of middle class people to stay. This is a triple win, unlike the story I opened up with, which was a triple lose. This is a triple win. Everybody wins, but they will never do it. And the answer and the question, excuse me, I have for you is why? Why would liberals never, ever agree to that? Joe. I'm going to set you up here, okay? All righty. There's a common theme throughout this show. Using a C word. No, you dirty, filthy people out there. The different C word. There's a different C word. Don't, don't, get, don't, don't do that. All right. There's a C word we use on this show a lot. Now, this is going to be a tough question, Joe, but what would be the difference if I gave money to the government first and they had, mm, over the money, they had some... C word thingy over the money hmm. rather than me just giving the money 
directly to a charity that can help people directly without cutting in government bureaucrats. What does the government have over the money in the first case, mm, this word, that they don't have in the second case? I believe that word is control, Dan. Yes, Joe! Yes, you are right, right. again! The kid is on fire <laughs> for the last five shows in a row. Control! I've only said that to you for the last, what are we on, episode 626? For the last 626 episodes in three years. Liberalism is about control. It's not about help. It's not about money. It's about power. The use of government power to plan and rule over people's lives. That's why they'll never do this. It's a simple, elegant, easy solution. Cut your taxes, incentivize people to give the money to charities. They still get the deduction. Everybody wins. They will never do it because the money doesn't flow through government coffers first. And when it doesn't, they lose control. When they lose control, they can't buy off votes. When they can't buy off votes, they can't retain power. And when they can't retain power, they can't plan out your lives, your health care, your education, where your money goes, where your investments are going to go. That is the very essence of progressivism is control. They will never, ever give that up. I love that story. I saw that and I'm like, this is it. Like this guy, I don't even know where I saw it. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to be coy about it. I really don't know. I think it was a tweet or something. I'm, I usually credit people, obviously, but um, I couldn't find it. Uh, but it's a great story nonetheless. All right, folks, please go to Bongino.com and subscribe to my email list. I will send you the stories I discussed today, including that story by John Solomon at the Hill, which is a uh, just a fantastic eye-opening story about the corruption involved in the Clinton email investigation. Bongino.com. Go check it out, and I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.